You are ultimately the reason that we sing and the reason we do every, everything that we do. And Lord, teach us what it means to be the church alive in this day and age. And today, teach us what it means to be alive together in ministry. For your sake, amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, we are in part three of a five-part sermon series called Church Alive. And it's based on St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, two weeks ago, we started off the series on the topic of being alive as one body. And we emphasized our unity and our fellowship as the body of Christ. Uh, Last week, we talked about being alive in worship. And this morning's theme is being alive in ministry. Based on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and we're going to dig into those passages today. In this section of Paul's letter, he explores the relationship between pastors and people, between church workers and the members of a local congregation in regards to doing ministry together. Let me read the first two verses of the passage. He says, It was he, that is Jesus Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In those opening two verses, there's two insights I want us to draw from these opening two verses. And the first one is this. Take note of this. Paul makes this point that Jesus is the one who gives spiritual leaders to serve in the church. Jesus gives people to be spiritual leaders to serve in the church. We see that played out in in that gospel lesson we heard today from Mark chapter 3, where Jesus himself chose 12 men that he trained himself for three years. He called them apostles, which means sent out ones. And after he trained them, he sent them out to be spiritual leaders in his newly forming church. Well, in today's world, Jesus also provides spiritual leaders in the church like pastors and and teachers and other church workers. And we have this understanding that as church workers, we're called by God, but we're called through a congregation of people like this, like Shepherd of the desert. So that's the first important point to understand that Jesus is the one who gives spiritual leaders. But a second point he makes is that pastors and other leaders in the church are to equip the people for ministry. You get that? Pastors and church leaders are to equip the people for ministry. Paul said it this way to prepare God's people for works of service. He gave these workers to prepare the people for doing ministry. Now, understand, pastors, of course, are to be the spiritual leaders of the congregations that they serve. They are called to preach the word of God in all of its truth and purity and administer the sacraments as Christ has given them to us. But they are also to do this task, to equip the people to do ministry. We're to be doing what Jesus did with his disciples, training up other people to do ministry. Now, here's an example, a practical example, here at Shepherd of the Desert. One of the things that we pastors do is we visit our members at the hospital or homebound members who aren't able to be with us on Sundays, but they're still much a part of our community. 
We like to visit them and bring them the, the, the word of the Lord and encouragement. Well, we don't have to be the only ones doing that. And I want to extend an invitation to any of you who might be interested in this kind of ministry. Come and ride along with Pastor Bill or myself on a visit to the hospital or to one of our homebound members. Just ride along and listen and observe as to what happens. And do that several times and, and get to the point where you're ready to make visits of people. See, we want to equip you to do your ministry, whatever that is. Now, your ministry may not be homebound visitation or hospital visitation. But there are many other ministry opportunities here at Shepherd of the Desert. So here's my question to you who are members here. For what type of ministry would you like to be equipped? For what type of ministry would you like to be equipped? All of our church staff are, are positioned and ready to help you be equipped in whatever that ministry might be. So if you're interested in youth work or children's ministry, talk to our youth director or our children's ministry director, Brian or Jamie. Or interested in music ministry, talk to Audrey. Right on down the line, what type of ministry would you like to be equipped to be serving in? Be thinking about that. Now, as we talk about this relationship between church leaders and uh, members of the congregation working together, there are some dangers or some mistakes that we need to avoid as we go about this task. Some of the mistakes are made by members of the congregation. Some of the mistakes, quite frankly, are made by pastors and other church workers. Let me just name a couple. So on the part of the people, sometimes these two mistakes pop up. Sometimes church members develop the attitude, well, let's just leave it to clerical George to handle it. Right? We hired the pastor to do the ministry here. He should be doing it all. And see, that, that's not a biblical way of thinking about ministry, that we hire somebody to do the ministry for us. Rather, it's what we all do together. An another mistake that sometimes is made by church members is to disregard the pastor's leadership role as the spiritual leader of the congregation. And that can lead to some real confusion in the life of a congregation. Now, I'm not saying that I'm observing these here at Shepherd of the Desert, but these are dangers for us to watch out for especially in this time of transition that we're in here. You know, times of transition are times when the evil one would like to come in and cause all kinds of division and upset and confusion. And this is a time for us to be on guard against all those kinds of things. But now, frankly, there are some mistakes that are made by pastors. I'll just admit that, all right? And here's one. Sometimes pastors develop the attitude... <clears throat> No one can do it as well as I can, so I'll do it myself. And that comes from an ego, a sinful, self-centered ego, right? Uh, case in point, the Old Testament lesson for today, Moses. I think he was dealing with this issue. You know, he had the attitude that everybody in the, among the Israelites had to come to him to get a determination about whatever their challenge was. So people were waiting in long lines for hours, day after day, waiting to see Moses. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, visits one day and says, Moses, what you're doing isn't good. It's not healthy for you or any of these people. And he taught him delegation. Moses learned to delegate and equip the people to take charge in different areas of responsibility. And, and as they shared the ministry together, things became 
much more effective. That is a mistake that is sometimes made by well-meaning church leaders. And another mistake that is sometimes made is when a pastor abdicates his calling and his responsibility and acts as if he's just a hired hand rather than seizing upon his calling as a spiritual leader of the church. Now, I've talked about some of these problems. None of these attitudes make for a healthy church. And as we think about our future going forward, we want to put in place the things that are healthy. It's much better to have the understanding that we're all in this ministry. We're alive in ministry together. Pastors and people, staff and members all together on the same team. Now, Paul goes on in the next part of his, of his letter to explain that we are alive in ministry together for a purpose. For a purpose. He said Jesus calls these workers into position. They equip the members, and all of this is for a purpose. Notice what he says, continuing in verse 12 and 13. He says, so that, there's the purpose statement, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Did you catch the purpose that Jesus gives church workers and, and then the church workers equip the people? The purpose is to build up the body of Christ that it might reach two things, unity and spiritual maturity. Unity and spiritual maturity. And notice that Paul calls the church here the body of Christ. Interesting metaphor, the body of Christ. Now, as you may recall, our theme verse here at Shepherd of the Desert for this entire ministry year is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, where St. Paul writes to, to the Corinthians, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ, church, and each one of you members is a part of it. We're going to emphasize that theme throughout the year. And it's so important to understand that that's what the body of Christ is about. And now, now back to Ephesians chapter 4, again, Paul, Paul states that the purpose of pastors equipping people for ministry is to build up that body of Christ, the church, to reach unity and spiritual maturity. And boy, both of those things are sure important here at Shepherd of the Desert. Unity is important, that we remain as one family. Even though we're one family on two campuses, we're one family together, doing ministry together. And likewise, spiritual maturity needs to be our goal, that we are growing in our spiritual walk with Christ Jesus. We need to be continuously growing. Let me just ask you to do a little exercise in your own mind. You don't need to raise your hand or say anything, all right? But on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being very, very low... 10 being extremely high, where would you rate yourself on your spiritual maturity level? Where are you? And wherever you fall on your own scale of spiritual maturity, I want to challenge you to be intentional about moving that forward, moving it higher, growing in your spiritual maturity. We'll talk a little bit about how that's done in just a little bit. But it's so important for us all to be growing in our spiritual understanding of Christ. 
And what would be the result of all of this? What would be the preferred future if all of this was implemented? He covers that in the last part of the passage. Let's read it here. Verses 14 to 16. Paul says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's a very important section. And here Paul indicates that as we grow in unity and in spiritual maturity, there are some desired results to come from that. One of those desired results is stability, spiritual stability. How did he say it? We're no longer being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. We all know that there's all kinds of winds blowing out there, all kinds of contrary philosophies being thrown at us every day. We're bombarded with messages through the media, the TV, the the theater, messages that are contrary to our Christian faith. There's varying worldviews that challenge the Christian worldview, Are we going to be blown this direction and that by the things that come our way in culture? Or are we going to to stay stable based on the solid foundation of God's revealed truth in his word? There's stability that comes as we grow in unity and in spiritual maturity. We need to be grounded in this book we call the Bible, in God's word. And friends, it means that we need to spend time on a regular basis studying, reading, meditating on the meaning of God's word and applying it to our lives. I want to encourage you to do that individually. I also want to invite you to consider being a part of one of our small group Bible studies to get together with seven, eight other people and and learn from each other as you study the word together and share insights about how this applies to your life. That's really where growth takes place. We need to be stabilized by the solid foundation of God's word. And that stability, of course, comes also from the unity that we share, the oneness we have in our faith in Jesus and our common mission of leading people to follow Jesus. So stability is one desired result. Strength is another desired result. Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He's describing a body that is strong. A body is meant to be strong. It's meant to stay strong. My wife reminds me of that, and when I'm not exercising enough, you need to get to the gym and go work out. You're getting flabby. Yeah, it's true. A body is meant to be strong and to stay strong, and that's true of the body of Christ. We need to be strong, and the source of our strength is not ourselves. The source of our strength is him who is the head of the body, Jesus, because Jesus took his body and gave it on a cross for you and me. He died to forgive us all of our sins, and through faith in him, we're not only forgiven, we're on our way to heaven, and that ought to energize us and strengthen us 
together to do what God wants us to do, being alive in ministry together. Strengthened by Christ, we go forward. And Paul makes the point that the body of Christ gets its strength from him who is the head. He said it this way in verse 16 of our text. From him, that is from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He mentions the head, who is Jesus. He mentions the body, who is the people. And he mentions the ligaments, ligaments. You know, in your human body, you have these different body parts and you have uh, bones and you have muscles, but what attaches the muscles to your bones are ligaments and tendons. Ligaments are ties. They tie your muscles to your bones so you can do things like this and lift weights and whatever you do. I think it's interesting that the word religion in its original Latin meaning, the root word religio has within it the word legare, meaning to tie. And the word ligament has that same root, legare, to tie. A ligament is something that ties muscles to bones and body parts to each other. And true religion, I believe, is being tied, connected first to Jesus through faith and connected to each other as the body of Christ. We are tied together. We are ligamented together as body parts. And what ligaments us together is our common faith in our Savior Jesus, our our unity in Christ, our common mission to take the good news of Jesus out to the world. And And a third result, in addition to stability and strength, a third result of growing in unity and spiritual maturity is effectiveness as a body. Effectiveness. The very last words of the text He says, as each part does its work. Each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. Each one of you is important and uniquely gifted. Each one of you is needed to do your work as a part of this common effort that we share. And when each part does its work, the body is most effective in impacting the world for the sake of of the gospel. As you know, here at Shepherd of the Desert, our mission statement is very simple. Five words. Leading people to follow Jesus. That's it. Leading people to follow Jesus. That's what we're about here. And we're going to be most effective in achieving that mission when every part of this body discovers its part in that mission and then does its work. So what is your part in the mission of the body of Christ here at Shepherd of the Desert? Friends, I want to invite us to keep this conversation going as we go forward in this time of transition. And let me just ask you, what does it mean? Be thinking about this question. What does it mean to be alive in ministry? Pastors, staff, and church members together. Amen. May the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.